Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hopefully this is the last time you'll hear this ad. Because with Chime checking account features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com goals 24. That's Chime.com goals 24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here for the Fightful.com podcast. October 26th edition brought to you by Onnit, Draft Beast, and Trig Tent. For a different kind of political coverage for this election season, head over to TrigTent.com. Also, visit DraftBeast.com for the most fun you will have playing fantasy sports, whether it's basketball, football, whatever. I'm going to try to get him to get some MMA going there, maybe even some pro wrestling, if I can figure out a way to get them to score that. Also, on it, go over to our podcast page, Fightful.com slash podcast, our newly redesigned podcast page at that. Much more easily organized. Open up any of those pages. You'll see that on it link. And you, too, can fight as well as CM Punk. With just one alpha brain, you will immediately have as many UFC victories as CM Punk, if you take that. Lots of great supplements, equipment, and apparel over there. Please check them out. Support the show. I am joined by Showdown Joe. Joe, how are you? Doing good, Sean. How you doing, brother? You know, I'm just watching this World Series, which is like trying to decide if I want to get stabbed in the eyeball or shot in the eyeball as, as a Reds fan. Interesting. I mean, I, I mean, I had this conversation with a few friends, obviously, with, uh, you know, Cleveland taking out the Toronto Blue Jays, my beloved Blue Jays, uh, and the whole Cubs story of having not won the World Series in over 100 years and whatnot. And I was kind of asking, like, are you rooting for anyone? Obviously, you're not because we're Toronto fans and you can't really root for Cleveland. And, you know, if you're a Toronto Blue Jays fan, you may also be a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. And hockey is king in Canada and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, you know, have been on the Cubs drought. They haven't won a Stanley Cup since 1967. Uh, so not even in my lifetime. And I'm old, right? Like I'm not, I'm not that old, but I'm Ugh. old. They've never won a Stanley Cup in my lifetime. So I kinda, I'm kind of rooting for the Cubs, to be honest with you, because I know the pain the Cubs fans are feeling not as much. I mean, that is 
ridiculous over a century. But, uh, you know, I don't mind Cleveland. I, I mean, I don't mind also cheering for the team that, you know, whooped our ass, let's be honest. And their, their pitching has been fantastic. I haven't paid attention to tonight's game, though. I don't know what the score is. So you can kind of bring me up to speed on that. But I'm kind of torn, to be honest with you. I don't even know if they're playing. I have no idea if there's a World Series game tonight. Yeah, there is. Uh, Cubs are up 2 nothing, But, I mean, I don't hate the Indians. They're just the cross-state rivals of the Reds. But either way, and, you know, the Red, there hasn't been a lot to cheer for in Cincinnati sports in quite a while. I mean, technically, Kentucky has Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. But he was only born in Kentucky because I think his father was a military guy and maybe he was stationed here, something like that. I don't think he spent any great time in Kentucky. But uh, we'll take it. We'll claim it. So there is that. We've got a lot of – I wouldn't say big news to talk about as far as MMA goes. I am going to address the TNA situation later uh, after Joe goes. But we have a lot of, like, stories that are very, very, very interesting. I sent you a text today, Joe. (laughs) There have been been a lot of layoffs in the UFC, one of which was one of my UFC sources, mind you. And uh, it's at the point where I have to contact my UFC sources and stay, say, you know, pardon me for being insensitive. Do you still have a job? I got to know. And one of them said, I do. But, and, and they happened to know another source of mine that had been that, well, a person who had been a source of mine. <laughs> I'll say that. And they said, well, this person that you, you may have known, may or may not have known, Sean, they were looking to cut this person, but they've been gone for months. They've been gone since March. And I was like, Hua? I knew that. How did they not know that? Very that, weird I mean, the situation the UFC is in here. That, that is just, you know, I don't know how, how to explain I'll it. I'll say this. I've, I've heard it's happened more than once, too. I've heard that this has happened multiple times in the last week. Well, obviously, at least two happen. Yeah, I, I mean, if it happened once, you have to think how many more are there. I mean, if you're, you know, going through your HR and you're going through your files, and okay, well, we're going to cut this and we're going to we're going to move in a different direction there, and then you contact the party and say, listen, uh, unfortunately, we're going to move in a different direction. Um, they're going to be releasing your from your duties. It's like uh, seven months. What's up? Have you ever seen the movie Office Space? Where they yep. go to fire Milton Wadhams, and he actually <laughs> was only there due to a glitch in pay- payroll. Yeah, the guy with the stapler, my staple. The guy my with stapler? the red swing line stapler. Yeah, yeah, Damn, I love that, him, man. That the guy that feels so bad for that guy. That happened with a company that was just bought for four four point two billion. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's it's weird how you look at a company like that that's worth that kind of money that had so many employees. Uh, obviously, a uh, fairly large size you would assume, uh, or well-run HR staff. And I guess behind uh, the, the well-oiled mass marketing machine, uh, perhaps corporate-wise, there uh, there are obviously some issues that uh, I guess they're dealing with now. But to release somebody that was already released seven months ago is a bit of a problem, Sean. There are a lot of people, really people who don't know what they're talking about, that are like, Dana White's got to go. He's got to go. He's got to go. When I hear shit like this, Joe, I'm like, no, they better hold on to him as long as they can because he is – he is, 
I don't want he's remarkably smart about some things like how to run the UFC. And then there are things that he's not that where he's quite honestly inept about. And that's, and that's okay because there are a lot of things I'm inept about and there are a lot of things that I do well. So that's just, that's just commonplace. But this is the guy who has helped lead the company to where it is. I think that Lorenzo Fertitta's role is, I don't think people understood his role. You have a guy like Chris Weidman who was like, I got to deal with him. Before I make this deal happen, I got to deal. I, before I make this contract happen, I got to deal with this guy. What kind of effect do you think that Dave Schaller, Joe Silva, Lorenzo Fertitta being gone are going to to cast on the UFC moving forward? It's it's we already know that when you have that type of, of upper level management and brain trust that helped drive the UFC to where it is right now, along with Dana White, uh, you start removing those pieces of that big pie or that big puzzle, things are going to change. We're already seeing it with Ari up there in charge and what's happening now uh, with the UFC. Um, You know, can each one of those roles or those positions be replaced? Yes, of course they can. Can they be done as well as, for example, Dave Schaller? Um, You could make the argument, of course it can. There's plenty of PR people out there or directors of PR or big names, but Dave Schaller was a special dude, man. That guy there just, I've never seen him rattled. And if I have, it's maybe once that guy there knew what had to be done to ensure a lot of the PR stuff for the UFC was handled correctly. Uh, He was, you know, people could accuse him of whatever they want to, but I know personally, how we were taken care of at Sportsnet and um, the, the the access that we had and the schedule we would get ahead of time to ensure, because he knew the importance of a broadcast television partner and thinking long-term. And it, when they would bring UFC fighters in, um, Sean, to various events, so you had, you know, pick any UFC event uh, or, you know, from 2015 and before that, um, any UFC event, well, think three or four UFC events after that, they would bring in those main event fighters or fighters that were competing on that card, bring them in to meet with certain media to start generating content and building the content, interviews and stuff like that, as we would get closer to when those fighters would fight. So Dave had a really good schedule uh, with all of us that were involved in the, from the television side and ensuring that you know anything that we needed was going to be given to us in terms of whether it had to be A, embargoed, or B, built properly so that when it is time to start previewing events, we had access that no one else had that you don't get, you know, that, you know, you might get during media week, but we already had it. We've already aired it. We've already talked about certain things and stories that would then be furthered uh, or, or updated during media week. So that's Schaller. You got Joe Silva. Can Joe Silva's job be replaced? Yeah, of course it can. Can, it, can they do it as good as Joe Silva? I don't think so. Uh, people don't really understand matchmaking and the analytics that go behind matchmaking. And, you know, you and I are talking about baseball and I was talking about a budget hockey. too. It's a budget, man. You got to understand budgets. You got to understand what's available. Guys dropping out left, right, and center, how to make sure people have to understand every UFC event, whether a pay-per-view or, or a fight night has its own P and L it's, it, it's incorporated. Okay. And it's got its own profit and loss statement. Overall, it feeds into the big machine, but each show itself was its own corporation, to my understanding. Okay, that's how you do business. When you do when you do promotion. Most MMA promoters don't understand that. 
So they would have each that. So And then Joe would be given a budget, and this is your budget. Here's what we're anticipating for revenue. Here's what we're anticipating to spend. We've got to make profit. You've got to put the right fighters on here, and they would he'd plan that out. Now, can Sean Shelby do it? Of course he can. He was under Joe Silva's wing for the longest time. Um, Lorenzo Fertitta's role obviously was, was never truly appreciated by most MMA fans because they didn't know what he did. But who do you think did all the negotiations internationally with all the various television deals, small and large, and getting the UFC into various footprints? Well, that was mainly Lorenzo Fertitta. I remember when Dana White first said, big news coming for the UFC, it's going to be unbelievable. And then the announcement was that Lorenzo Fertitta uh, was leaving Station Casinos or, or reducing his role with Station Casinos and, and 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 focusing mainly on the UFC. People were like, what the hell kind of announcement is that? We thought you were signing Fedor. And it's I, we were like, are you crazy? Do you know what this means? The connections that this guy has and how his business and how he negotiates, it was fantastic. So now, can his role be replaced? You can make the argument, yes, look at what you know Ari and the team that he has available globally uh, with all the people that they represent and all the business deals that they have. So can he replace? Yeah, can. but it's going to be all done, Sean, in a different way. We're going to have a different sort of look for the UFC. Can Dana White be replaced? There's, there's a lot that I want to talk about regarding, regarding your comments. There was a real problem I had with the WME IMG thing. And really, it's not, hey, who am I to have a problem with it? All of those celebrity investors, I'm cool with that. I think that's great. I did think it was great. Until the night of UFC 204, when absolutely zero of them sent out a tweet, made a post, anything, that there was a UFC pay-per-view on that night. You would now. I mean, they they don't have to do that. Their business, not mine. Cool. But if I'm WME IMG, I would say, hey guys, it would be in your best interest, in our best interest, in literally everybody's best interest to say, there's a UFC pay per view tonight. There's a rematch seven years in the making tonight. That's it. Just say it because combined. Millions, billions of followers. Who the hell knows how many damn followers these people have? A lot. The Joe Silva thing. Uh, as as Armad777 says, she says, Dana is an asshole and his word means shit, but he's the one guy that can't be replaced. That's a very good point. I, I agree. A very yeah. good point. Just what you just said there about with, with WMI and what they did. Um, no argument, man. You're, you're 100% bang on. At the very least... Send off a message to them in some whatever way you can get a hold of them, uh, seeing as they're your investors, and say, if you don't want to tweet something, we'd like you to tweet something. If not, start retweeting something from the UFC account. Let it hit your followers. Simple. Yeah. Just be aware that your investment can be larger, or your, your return on your investment can continue to ex- or, or, you know accelerate and put more money in your pocket. You guys already have lots of money, but you know that, that's the business of money. Money makes money. Just retweet, man. Get get your fans to pay attention. The Joe Silva job goes so much deeper than a lot of people realize. Um, I actually had a conversation with 777 earlier about uh, – who is one of our mods – about the money that some of these UFC pay-per-views make. Like UFC 201, I think it was, did not do well on pay-per-view. It did like 240000 That doesn't include UFC.TV. But the way that show is budgeted, Joe Silva knows that. So he constructs it with 
some people with some lower salaries. That way the UFC turns a giant profit off of it. That's something that Mick Maynard and Sean Shelby have to replicate. They have to take into consideration a UFC Fight Pass show. They have to take in consideration that they won't be getting that Fox money from that show. They won't be getting pay-per-view money from that show. They can be a little more liberal on Fox shows because they know that they are getting that Fox money. That's a part of their agreement. They've already been paid for it. Pay-per-view, they're allowed to put, like, now, if Conor McGregor did 300,000 pay-per-view buys, that's a catastrophe for the amount that he makes. Joe Silva has a very difficult job. Very difficult because for the uh, – well, uh, actually, Sean Shelby's been the one that's been doing the, the matchmaking with the big pay-per-view people of late with Ronda Rousey and Conor McGregor. Well, technically. I mean, you don't really have – Conor McGregor is his own matchmaker, so there's that. But it's a difficult job. It's a very, very difficult job. Somebody's put a comment on our board that says – I went from watching Lucha Underground to MMA talk. Not a bad way to spend a cold night in Cleveland. And it was met with a <laughs> reply. It was met with a reply of, it could be worse. You could be in Cleveland. Oh, wait. Ouch, 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 ouch. Oh, man. Poor Cleveland. ESP. This situation keeps getting more interesting. Also, Carlos Toro, one of our writers, says, I don't think that the uh, Dave Schaller departure will be felt immediately, but it will be long-term. I agree with that. This GSP situation gets weirder and weirder, Joe. (sighs) Last week, apparently, well, first off, Michael Bisping's putting everybody on blast. Dana White, (laughs) GSP, everybody. He doesn't give a shit about anybody. I'd love to have him write for the site. I know he does a little writing. Maybe I can have him do that. By the way, guys, if you're watching on YouTube, leave a thumbs up on the video and subscribe. Bisping says, let's fight 206 Toronto. Let's do it. That show needs it. It needs it. I think it'll still do fair. It'll do in the 300,000 pay-per-view range, especially being in between two big ones. I think it'll do fine in attendance. It might not sell out. But this needs GSP. It really does. And apparently, this was not known before, GSP went and all that quote-unquote hanging out he was doing in Las Vegas last week. Well, oh, wait. He was meeting with Ari, and he was meeting with Dana White. And they made peace, as he said, but he's not going to be on the show. Michael Bisping does not care about your secrets. He does not care about anything. He Have you ever seen Pineapple Express, Joe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. I'll quote. He don't give a fuck about discretion. <laughs> when, Michael Bisping. The, the whole thing about GSP being in, in Las Vegas and just relaxing and just and having a good time. If you've ever followed George St. Blackjack. Anything that he does, Vegas isn't necessarily a place that he's really <laughs> going to pick to go and have a good time. When you're when you're friends with you Leonardo. You mean to tell me that that he didn't fly all the way to Vegas to play a couple hands of blackjack. You know, he, instead of making that short little trip from Canada to Atlantic City, he was like, I, th- I think he just went to gamble, Joe. I think that's what he did. Um, considering he can 
just go through his phone and be like, Leonardo DiCaprio, let's go to Monte Carlo and do whatever we want. Why would he go to Vegas? He's going to go anywhere in the world that he wants, whenever he wants, with a, with a Rolodex of the who's who from Hollywood and blah, blah. He's in Vegas, obviously taking care of the business that is Rush, the business that is GSP. So, and if you saw his, um, his video message uh, earlier today, uh, a direct reply to Michael Bisping. He was a free, George basically declared himself a free agent last week. And this week he's saying he made peace with Dana, spoke with Ari, but the deal. A couple days happening. after declaring himself a free agent, he uh, made peace with Dana. Something tells me that there was some shitting of the pants done in Las Vegas. Yeah, and it's and it's something that I tried to express, uh, not just to you last week, uh, but in the article. And you know, I I can't see him winning a lawsuit against the UFC. The amount of money uh, that he would have to throw up there. We know Randy Couture put up five hundred thousand to try and become a free agent. Um, and I understand. Uh, I, I I get your plight. You're stating that you know he's got a lot more and he can do a lot more and stuff like that. The one thing I do like the fact that if he was to challenge it and become a free agent. We lost your audio, Joe. We lost your audio. Can people on the podcast hear Joe's audio? You got me? Ah, oh, now I got you. There we go. Full responsibility. Where, where, where did I leave off there? <laughs> you were talking, you're talking about GSP. I was talking about GSP. Okay. Well, I, I don't know, I don't know how, how far into it um, I was mentioning there. No, but... It was just a couple of seconds. Just a couple of seconds. Okay. So in essence, um, Make a long story short, this guy can go anywhere around the world with whomever he wants. Uh, and the next thing you know, he's in Vegas. And I said before, this guy, I don't think he's going to win a lawsuit against uh, the UFC trying to get a free agent. But if he does, become, we all know Randy Couture threw up 500000 ended up losing it. But if George St. Pierre has the money he wants to do it and he can win, uh, the legacy that he would leave behind in the sport would not only be one of the greatest pound-for-pound fighters ever, he would create that perhaps fighters union everyone's been looking for at the same time, they could probably use that case to change the wording in the Muhammad Ali act. And that would leave him as the, the, the pioneer, the forerunner uh, for more rights for fighters. So that's a, that's a legacy he's probably thinking about as well. Uh, but he's also thinking about a nice big fat payday taking on Michael Bisping for the middleweight championship where he doesn't have to cut weight to 170 pounds versus a fighter, despite being out for three years himself, you know, a guy he thinks he could beat no matter what. So there's money to be made for George St. Pierre, no matter which way you turn, with the exception of going to court. If I'm the UFC, I put this fight together, and Toronto was the perfect place to do it. Uh, GSP wouldn't have to cut weight, or at least much. And you're not holding up the division, because I know them. They'll try to make the fight and then put it on, like, Super Bowl weekend, and they're going to piss off their middleweight division. Because I know what they'll do. Well, and, and, you know, this wouldn't be the worst idea. You do Rockhold, Jacare, Weidman, uh, Romero. Then those two winners fight on the Super Bowl card with GSP and Bisping over top of it. I could see that in case one of the two get injured. That wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. You're going to piss off a lot of your middleweight division. But as Michael Bisping so eloquently pointed out after his fight, yeah, all these guys are still like, uh, okay, he he did have a point. He did have a point. So the GSP thing, I just think it's great that Michael Bisping doesn't care about 
hiding anything. He said that they have been negotiating the fight. I'm inclined to believe him. There's no ifs, ands, or buts, Sean. They're negotiating that fight. Just don't have to take my word for it, but I'm telling you, they're negotiating that fight. I take your word for it. I believe it. Also, not to be not not no surprise here. Antonio Bigfoot Silva got a fight. Now here's the interesting thing. He's fighting for that promotion. I I'll look up the name of it, but I don't really want to. <laughs> I'm upset when I got the news. I'm just It's upset. the same. Yeah, I'm happy he's making 500 grand according to Kareem Zidan. That's awesome. Good for him. Hell yeah, he deserves every penny of it after the shit ringer he has been put through. But he's fighting for um, Titov Boxing Promotions. And he's facing the guy who was in the middle of a controversy. Basically, Jeff Monson suffered a bicep tear earlier this year. And they said, hey, come over here. You'll work a match. It's okay. Bob does it all the time. Oh, Bob Sapp. Not a, not a tough way to make a living at that stage of your career. You, you put on a show, you get paid, you leave. Uh, it was not a work, and Monson got the living shit beat out of him. And uh, uh, But, you know, 500000 you can tell me it's a work, you can tell me it's a shoot, I don't care. I'll fight Bigfoot Silva for 500 k I'll fight the undefeated Russian for 500 k but I'm glad that a guy like Bigfoot Silva, who has – had his he was the one guy that if I you said who do you think probably needs TRT I would say Bigfoot Silva so he's going to be on his TRT I would imagine and he gets paid what do you think yeah. Joe I, I I love the fact that I think you're bang on I mean if there's a guy that needs testosterone replacement therapy it's definitely uh, Antonio uh, at the same time um, the paycheck is nice it's fat good for him uh, you know he's put in his time he deserves the, the big payday. Uh, I, I mean, you know this. I'm greedy. I, I'm very, very greedy when it comes to it. And I thought he was going to Ryzen. So it's not to say he won't go to Ryzen, but uh, I would love to have, uh, you know, seen him in Japan and, you know, ca- catch up with him and see how things are going and, you know, whatever. But, you know, there's lots of news coming out with Ryzen soon. Uh, some was already pretty much out there. But, uh, you know, in, in terms of Antonio, I would love to have seen him gone to Ryzen, but good for him. Uh, hopefully he turns out well and gets paid. I don't think it's out of the question that he ends up in Ryzen, even on the December show. He could walk in and beat this errand boy that he's facing in like 30 seconds. You never know. And then Ryzen could book him. I'd be cool with that. So I'm happy for for Bigfoot Silva. I'm glad. Uh, UFC 206 got a big fight. Anthony Pettis, Max Holloway. You like that, eh? Boy, I... I had the Grinch smile <laughs> on, on my face when they, they said that one. I was like, well, that show needed that fight. Now, poor Max Holloway. You want to talk about the wrong end of the stick. This poor guy. The champion in his division wants to fight at every other weight division. And the other champion in the division doesn't want to fight at all. So is this for the interim interim title? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I love it. Did you tweet that? You got to put that on social media. This it is for the be. interim, interim UFC featherweight title. I love it. 
absolutely love it. So true, man, because this is when I saw the the announcement for the boat, I was like, this is going to be sick. And I can guarantee you, um, Max Holloway better check his emotions. He's got enough anger to to fight three guys at once. Uh, he just needs to keep his emotions in check because um, I'm not saying that you know Pettis has had some sort of resurgence. Uh, although you know he looked okay in his last fight, we, we can all admit that. Um, but Holloway wants a piece of somebody, and it's going to be Pettis. Uh, and it would really look real good on Pettis if he takes out Holloway, uh, and vice versa. Because I mean, what do you do at that point there? Holloway is like, dude, like, come on, man, Connor, let's get a rematch going here. Jose, you want to fight or not? You leaving? You staying? What are you doing? Let's go, man. Come on. So talk about the wrong end of the stick, like you said. Absolutely right. I, I think Max Holloway deserves better, uh, but. Pettis is damn good. So, yeah, let's get this going. I can't wait for it to go down. John Fitch. Well, I'll I'll approach this first off. Max Holloway, Anthony Pettis, that's a banger. What a fight that is. That is a legit co-main event. They need to get a little something else. They need, in my opinion, they need one more real solid fight on that show. One more just real solid fight with a couple of names. Because they well, they have some solid fights on the show. Don't get me wrong. Uh, Krylov and Sir, uh, and uh, Misha Serkinov, that's that's a good fight. I like that. Uh, Cub Swanson, Duho Choi, that's a good fight. Hey, Lando that's going to be a banger right there. Which one? Uh, Cub Swanson or? Yeah. Lando Venata, I'd watch him face a, swipper, <laughs> a Swiffer mop. And it would be good. That gets crazy. Makovsky versus Moraga, they've been on a rough patch. But that's going to be a good fight as well. Valerie Letourneau's on the show. That's good as well. But they need one more fight. Just one more pay-per-view quality fight on there. Because if you have Cormier Johnson, Holloway Pettis, Krylov Serkinov, and, uh, you know, one other pay-per-view quality fight, I think that's good. Now, Joe, (laughs) John Fitch is angling for a rematch against George St. Pierre. Joe, I would rather listen to Frank Trigg narrate a Florida Georgia Line marathon concert than watch John Fitch fight George St. Pierre. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The last time John Fitch and George St. Pierre competed, John Fitch entered the post-fight press conference to the media basically standing up and giving him a standing ovation because his face was the size of... I'm trying to find something close here. The size of the ice bag that he had to bring the swelling down in his face was monumental. Um, I, I don't think that's a good idea. I get what John's doing. That's a big payday for him, which he probably deserves because he's been competing forever and he got black, blacklisted uh, by the UFC a very long time ago for budgetary reasons. Um, that's not a fight I would recommend for John at all, even though George has been gone for quite some time. Which do you think is more likely? John Fitch versus George St. Pierre. 
or Sean Ross Sapp versus George St. Pierre? <laughs> I'm gonna go I with think Fitch. we have about the same. It's close. About the same possibility. Yeah, I'll lead towards Fitch GSP, but uh, yeah, that's. That, I think you're bang on with that with that assessment because it's just. I mean, even if George was to be a free agent, I mean, where's he going to go? He's not going to go to World Series of Fighting, right? He's going to go to Bellator. He might go to Ryzen and and stuff like that. So, Kat Zingano tweeted, WWE Raw Women's Champion Sasha Banks calling her out, like angling for a pro wrestling match, I think. Like, Sasha Banks put out this tweet. You know, we covered the crossover of MMA and wrestling better than anybody. Sasha Banks put out a tweet that says, a lot of people want the crown, but they're not willing to bleed for it. See you Sunday. Now, Sasha Banks, who is the cousin of Snoop Dogg, didn't know if you knew that, is facing Charlotte Flair, the daughter of Ric Flair, Sunday in the first ever Hell in a Cell women's match. Might actually headline the show, too. It would be the first time that two women have headlined a pay-per-view in the WWE. That's what she was referencing. Kat Zingano says, I'd bleed for it. Give me winner if you're down for some realness. Banks didn't say anything. And then later on, Kat Zingano says, all this talking you're doing, yada, yada, yada. Now I'm like, somebody somebody tweeted, oh, she says, all this talk from Sasha Banks. Must be jaw day at the gym. I want two belts and two sports, UFC and WrestleMania. Well, WrestleMania isn't a sport. And neither <laughs> is pro wrestling, first off. But... um. This is I didn't see this coming. I didn't see the interest there. I might try to get an interview with Kat Zingano, but also Sasha Banks didn't talk about this at all. I don't know what the hell Kat is talking about, but is this a little surprising to you? Yeah, definitely surprising me. It's I'm I'm trying to see the logic in it, to be honest with you, unless there's something that Kat has up her sleeve where she could be coming to an end with the UFC contract and migrating over to the UFC or thinking about doing pro wrestling. But well, I can tell you the, the mindset, uh, she's gotten more coverage for this story than she has about any story ever in her career. Fox Sports has covered it. We've covered it. Uh, every Yahoo covered it. Every single person covered this outside of, quite frankly, major tragedies in her life. This has gotten more coverage, positive coverage than anything in her career. Well, in the great words of Jim Ross and, and Chael Sonnen and I were, 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 were still kicking ourselves to this day when, when Jim Ross was giving a speech at Battlegrounds to every young fighter there, figure it out, figure out a way to, quote, make some noise, end quote. And Katzengano's making some noise. So good on her then. Fantastic. As we've seen with the case of Shayna Baszler, people with an MMA and Matt Riddle, our own Matt Riddle, has picked up wrestling at a pace in which people are comparing him to Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar. Uh, you know, those are two pretty good names to be in company with. Uh, so, or Shayna Baszler progressed to the level to where even at 35, 36 years old, I think, she got a WWE tryout. WWE doesn't even usually even consider women at that age. So, I mean, it, it, I've seen crazier things. I think if Kat Zingano really wanted to, she could transition with the quickness and probably do pretty well because the foundations, especially from catch wrestling, that's a big thing with Shayna Baszler. Catch wrestling training is very, very similar to the basics of pro wrestling training. Uh, in catch wrestling class, you go through rolls, you take bumps, you do uh, shoulder rolls, you do a lot of that type of stuff. You uh, learn how to fall, quite frankly. A lot of that can be carried over, so... 
I'm interested. I, I'd like to see what she's doing, uh, or I'd like to see if you know maybe maybe it could work. I, maybe she is ramping up for the end of her MMA career too. She's not won in a few years. Yeah, she's, Let's she's see, on a rough was, patch for sure. She's, she's been on this. You know, she had difficulties outside of the cage. Obviously, difficulties in her performances inside the cage. She's not getting any younger, so she's probably planting seeds elsewhere so that in time, if she needs to migrate, she's ready to go. As I look at her record, I think that's what's going on. Uh, she is 34 years old, has not fought more than once a year since 2010. She fought, and she has won one fight in three and a half years. Now, a lot of that's the injury and the time she took off. More power to her. I, if she goes into pro wrestling tomorrow, she's getting any bookings. She will get booked by somebody. Um, it, it's a shame to me that Japan doesn't have a more prominent women's pro wrestling presence because the Shayna Baszlers and the Kazanganos of the world would get booked, again, with the quickness in Japan. I mean, Boss Rutten didn't do any pro wrestling training, and he, Tim Sylvia, Kevin Randleman, they all got booked immediately over there, just whenever they wanted to. Best of luck to her on that. I think that uh, good, good for her. She created some noise. She took a risk doing it. You know, there are some people kind of clowning her for it doing that. Halleck Gracie signed with Bellator. You think he's using that to pay off some Metamorris fees? It's a very good point. A very good point. I wouldn't be surprised, yeah. I think so. I think he is. I sure as hell think he is. Have they announced his opponent yet? No, they haven't. Uh, apparently, he's gonna. They they want him to fight on. Well, I don't want to say they want him. Uh, it's he's targeted to fight on the Sun and card, the Sun and Tito card. Oh my God! Did you watch that thing with Sun and versus the Sun and Tito back and forth? I haven't yet, and I was told not to. Oh <laughs> I was told just go, don't do it. It's it's yeah. Imagine if John Jones fought the 300th ranked flyweight fighter in the world. Okay. That's what these promos are going to be like. Wow. Yeah. Tito Ortiz. I already squished the juice box. I, I get the analogy, but. Yeah. He did it, you know, I got it. I don't know if anybody else got it because Sonnen's a juicer. Yeah, makes sense. I got you, yeah. I was like, I get it. Man, that was, as I like to say, a duty. (laughs) Duty. John Jones went off on Twitter about steroid use. He said, and I quote, steroids didn't give me the belief that I am the baddest MF on this planet. That's right, light heavyweight division. This means I got in that ass fair and square. I heard your interviews. I know I've earned every inch of my success, every match ever won. It wouldn't make you. It won't make you more technical. It didn't give me the idea to set my mind to a goal to follow my dreams and bust my ass every day in the gym. Steroids will never give you a high Q of IQ of the game. It won't increase your awareness and timing. Didn't give me the heart to pull off victories in the last minutes of championship fights. Earning the high place in sports gives me the confidence and the courage to know that I can do the same in my life. Knowing this helps me not worry when times get rough. I am more than a conqueror. 
I have what it takes to win. I know that I have something extremely powerful inside of me. I have the power to achieve anything I set my mind to. And of course, the extremely powerful inside of me set up a lot of steroid jokes. But um, he did he does a positive for clomiphene earlier this year. His attorneys have said that USADA has tested a product that the banned substance in question has originated from, and Jones is going to aim for a reduced suspension. What do you think of his comments, and do you think he gets the reduced suspension? Well, the real question I have about those comments is, did he just admit to it? That's what I was thinking. And I got people saying, no, there's there's nothing there that showcases or stipulates any admission of guilt. And I'm like, let me let me, let me, let me read this to you one more time. And the very first – do you mind reading the first tweet one more time, Sean? Yes, let me pull it up. Steroid didn't give me the belief that I am the baddest MF on this planet. Okay, so you're not admitting that then? Like you're not admitting you took steroid? Like, what are you saying? I don't get it. Oh, so you're st- okay. So it's accidental, and it came from uh, a tainted supplement. Okay, I, I, fi- I just find his his verbiage weird. Um, I also find it just it's crazy that he actually went off on this tirade. I'm like, why don't you not say nothing? Stay quiet and wait till your arbitration, and then let your lawyers do the talking. Where is this coming from? You know, and and I don't I don't know, man. Just John. This doesn't make sense, man. Doesn't make sense to me. Uriah Faber announced his impending retirement. He says that his fight with Eddie Wineland or Brad Pickett rather will be his last. Do you think it will really be his last? Uh, I'm gonna go with well. First things first. When the news or when I heard that this was gonna be his last fight, uh, a part of me died inside because this guy is just. The gold mine for me whenever I went to Sacramento, it didn't matter if it was in Vegas, Sacramento, California, L.A., whatever. That guy there was just just money to me. He was just him and the team, Chad and TJ at the time, just they're great guys. And Uriah was just fantastic. And call, I've been to so many of his fights. And, and just, you know, you can say what you want about him. You know, you can have your ups and downs and have your thoughts about him. But the guy is just just fantastic. And knowing that another fighter from a, from that era is – going to be calling it a career it just it just gives me a reality check how that every single fighter no matter what it always comes to an end i believe it will be his swan song um because he's got money he's saved money he's invested a lot he's got real estate uh he's done really well with some investments apparently um he doesn't definitely doesn't need the money because everyone needs the money especially when you live in that kind of lifestyle but he's doing it in sacramento sean there's no other way to to go out other than him winning a title which you know unfortunately he won't be able to do yeah i think that faber was a really great fighter he helped establish those lower weight divisions a really good fighter i don't want to put him i don't consider him like among the greatest of all time he struggled against top 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 talent but he put those lighter weights on the map joe Uh, people weren't paying attention to those lighter weight divisions uh, until he came along for, for many people. I mean, in Japan, sure, you had your kid Yamamoto's and stuff like that. But in the States, Uriah Faber really helped do that. Yeah, that fight with Jens Pulver was, you know, in WC. That was the one that kind of really made things take off for, for not just himself, for the lighter weight divisions 
for sure. It helped get, you know, BJ Penn, you could say, did that for the 155-pound weight division, and Uriah did it for uh, everything else. You know, it started bringing in all kinds of people, you know, even even with the whole cruise thing. He helped build Cruise up. Um, you know, Cruz is, 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 you know, arguably one of the best pound pound fighters in the sport right now. And it's courtesy of the fact that, you know, him and Uriah, uh, you know, have had this feud forever. Um, you know, he, he's just, he's a pioneer. He'll always go down as a pioneer. Uh, I think he's a fantastic fighter. I could probably say he's a great fighter as well. Lots of memories of him inside, uh, in action, both positive and negative. You can talk about the Jose Aldo beating that he took. You can talk about him fighting Mike Thomas Brown with two broken hands and using his elbows. Uh, the most vicious moment that I will ever, uh, and most people don't don't associate this with Uriah Faber, uh, but we talked about it on one of my shows uh, at one point. There's a there's a there's a point in a, in a boat I think he had with Brian Bowles where Bowles I don't know if he was sitting down or not sitting down but sort of on one knee and kind of just doing this against the cage and Uriah's face and the way he comes down with the elbow just looked yeah. like one of the meanest things a human being could ever do to another human being. And I'm like, that's Uriah. That's a guy that, you know, I've had food with, I've shared a meal with, or we may have may not have had uh, alcoholic beverages together with. <laughs> that is a mean human being. And just the look and the, and, and the way he just threw that elbow was like that. There's bad intentions when you throw elbows. That was more than bad intention. And I know he didn't really have that much of a problem with Brian Bowles, but it was just he was doing his job. And I was like, damn, dude, you're mean. I want to ask you, what do you think this does for Team Alpha Male? Do you think that Team Alpha Male – some say it's already slowly dying. Do you think that this hurts Team Alpha Male, him not competing? I'm sure he'll still be involved, but of course he will. He's got a financial stake in it, but – yeah, I, I don't know what it does for the actual for the gym itself and the actual name brand. I, I don't think it'll be too much of a problem because he's still going to be prominent. Because ch- technically speaking, when you when you think about Uriah Faber, you think of him as the fighter, so you only see him fight X amount of times a year. Now he's going to have a stable of fighters that he could corner. So we we're probably going to see a lot more of Uriah Faber uh, than we did in the past. May actually, yeah, I the love. Brand. May actually increase the brand, Sean. I loved they they had this. <laughs> This short-lived, like Uriah Faber's fight stories, where he would interview people about fight stories, and it was animated. It was really great. You go go seek that out online, guys. Yeah, that was really good stuff. I wish they would bring that back. But it was it was shocking. That's one less marquee name that the UFC has in an era where they need all of them they can get because this pay per view success is is pretty hot. But you got to sustain it couple of call-outs this week. Bobby Lashley called out Brock Lesnar, and Misha Tate called out Cyborg. What I want to ask you, Joe, who stands a better chance of winning, Bobby Lashley or Misha Tate? Oh, my God. Um, I'll say this. I'll say this. Cyborg has faced one person the caliber of Misha Tate in her career. One. And that's Marlos Kunin, who I'm actually talking to tomorrow. But um, Bobby Lashley... Brock Lesnar has fought a lot of people the caliber of Bobby Lashley. If you're going to give the edge, I think you do have to give the edge to Misha Tate. If she has, does she have a better chance defeating Cyborg? Um, I don't know that Brock it's a Lesnar. Tough one, especially considering I, I don't that know. Lesnar and Lashley are heavyweights, and one shot, even from the weakest heavyweight, could put almost anybody out. I want to see Lesnar versus Cyborg. 
<laughs> no, I don't. I'm joking, fans out there. Listen, I'm joking. Don't. I'm oh, kidding. Boy. I'm kidding. Um, I, I will say this though. Um, speaking of Brock Lesnar, um, and and segueing into this one, uh, I am a little disappointed in in Sean Ross Sapp, ladies and gentlemen. I've been waiting. We are. At I'm about to bring up the Shane Carwin thing. Oh. <laughs> okay, do it. Go ahead. It's next on the list. What's up, though? Shane Carwin. I was like, oh my god! I brought, I brought up Ryzen and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, where is it? It's on the list. <laughs> and now you're on the list. <laughs> Go ahead. I just made the list. Anyway, um, Shane Carwin says he's going to fight Fedor. Says that he's agreed to it. I think this is a bad fight for Fedor. <laughs> if and what do you know about it? First off. Uh, I know that I was supposed to be in contact with Jerry Millen for quite some time uh, for Ryzen. Uh, we just going back and forth and he says, don't mind me. I'm just traveling and, you know, a couple of winks. And then Shane Carwin throws up that tweet and then you see Jerry and Shane together uh, in a picture and then you see the Ryzen gloves. Um, I, I really want to see this fight, man. Because I, I, I honestly, Sean, I thought of you. As, as soon as it was, I, I saw the Shane Carwin stuff. I'm like, oh man, Sean's gonna love this. We're talking about this on the show for sure. Um, you think Shane's about, or you think Fader is gonna have a hard time against Shane Carwin? I'm gonna go with yes because obviously the power. But Shane's been gone for so long, whereas Fader's been a bit more, he's been, been a bit more busy. Uh, I don't care. Well, dude. I'll ask you. I'll ask you this. Yeah. How many times did Fabio Maldonado hit Fedor Emelianenko? Okay. Because the answer is significantly more times than it would take Shane Carwin to knock him dead. Okay. Yep. Nope. I got you. I got you 100%. At any age. And I mean at like 55 if Shane Carwin rolled in there with those 5X, 5X size hands. They had to make a special glove for Brock Lesnar, you guys. And then Shane Carwin was like, "Uh, yeah, I'm going to need one bigger. 5X size hands. Whew. No, no, <laughs> big dude. He put his he put his hand on my head during one interview. So did Brock, and I'm like, man, these guys are they're not even like human. Like they're just monsters. And uh, and as anyone that knows Shane Carwin knows, he's a super intelligent guy. He's very very smart. Uh, but I, I again, I'm speaking out of pure greed, ladies and gentlemen. I could have the opportunity to call this fight. Oh, please, please, Fedor, accept this thing, man. Let, let's just, please. New Year's Eve would be fantastic if I can call that I fight. I love it. I would love it. I, and I think Shane Carwin would win. I do. I really think Shane Carwin would win that fight. Ah, oh, man. There are, some, there are some interesting fights to be made over there in Ryzen. I just hope that they can be made. And, you know, I don't know that Fedor would accept that fight, to be honest with you. And I concur. I concur 100% with that assessment because it's not like it's the fader of the past that he would fight Krokop and Noguera and you know whoever uh, Pride would throw in his face. Now he's just he's been selective forever and it's backfired uh, a few times. You know, well, Dan Henderson's a small guy. I'll fight Dan Henderson. Oh, this. Uh, Brett Rogers changes tires. There, there's no way he could ever right? knock me out, and then he almost uh, did. Yeah, all right. So it's it's a different world now for Fedor, but um, right, Ryzen pays good money, and Ryzen I think is just going to be competition. 
uh, out there. I think they're going to, you know, I, I don't know what kind of money or how much money they have uh, in the banks or how much money they're going to be getting uh, from Psy Games, but there's there's money there, and it's going to be an interesting scenario if the, if the rise of Japanese MMA happens again like it happened before. I mean, you know, I'm not saying they'll ever rival the UFC. It could happen. I don't know, but UFC's big right now, but Ryzen could easily be number two very, very quickly. Speaking of heavyweights outside the UFC, Scott Coker tells me that they are looking to do something with the heavyweight division first quarter of 2017. I spoke to Sergey Karatanov. Uh, that interview will be up on the site, Fightful.com, next week. Go there. Register at Fightful.com. Absolutely free. You get free or you get early access to shows with Joe, Matt Riddle, Vince Russo. Regarding the Vince Russo show, I don't know if it will happen this week because Vince has some uh, well-documented family issues that are going on right now. We want to wish him the the best, obviously, to he and his family. But uh, go there, register. I think tomorrow is when we roll out these new forums, you guys. I am really excited. It's going to be in the V-Bulletin format that you all are familiar with. You all can have daily threads there. You all can send in questions for the show. We're also going to be doing giveaways. So use those forums if you want access to these giveaways that we're going to do. DVDs, books, uh, games, lots of cool stuff like that. Joe, do you have anything to tell these folks before you go? Uh, I'm kind of depressed that there's no – I kind of miss the UFC oh. events, man. I got I to gotta bring this up too. Cruz Garbrandt. Is that the right call? Yeah, we talked about it. We all said that, you know, Dominic Cruz is now, you know, he has a chance to pick out a fighter and choose to pick his own fights. As a prize fighter, he's allowed to do that. Cody Garbrandt is the one that he wanted in the UC. I knew for a fact, not for a fact, I kind of figured, yeah, you know what? You want that fight? We'll build it. We'll make it happen. And then Cody goes and does what he does against in his last fight. Perfect. Let's do it. I like it. I do too. Completely agree. Hell of an addition to 207. Ooh, it's a good addition to 207. It seems like months since we've covered an actual UFC event, Joe. But there's a Bellator show next Saturday. Well, next weekend we'll have MMA to talk about. Bellator has a little bit of an under-the-radar show coming up. They have uh, Liam McGeary and Bill Davis, which we, we'll talk about this next week, of course. Paul Daly's on the show. Karatanov's on the show. Marlos Kunin's on the show. I've seen much worse on UFC cards. So this this show I'm actually kind of looking forward to. And Syed Awad against Brendan Ward. Not bad. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Just to see Phil Davis again. I love Liam. These these two guys are going to bang away. It's going to be fun. Joe, I will bid you adieu. Everybody follow him at Showdown Joe on the Twitter machine. I'm going to talk a little bit of TNA wrestling, but Joe... It's been fantastic. We will be back with you Wednesday, of course. Thank you, sir. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and uh, have a good one, guys. Take care. So this TNA wrestling situation, man, this is a trash fire. It's a real trash fire, guys. In my opinion, this is just me speculating, I think Billy Corgan knew TNA was in peril and just wanted the company to himself, and that's perfectly fine. He had every right to do that. Dixie Carter... And the TNA lawsuit went into uh, – TNA had to delay tapings, basically. It may have had to cancel the the, the Hardy Brothers uh, – the Hardy Compound tapings. We don't know yet. But, man, uh, TNA apparently hasn't been paying ta- talent. The company's blaming the lawsuit. Uh, 
it's just it's just a mess. We have a full story on on the website about about the the proceedings today. Billy Corgan wants that company, and I don't know how they'll stay afloat without him. I don't know if the Fight Network will really give the amount of money that needs to be given. They say they will, but um, TNA apparently is willing to pay off Corgan's loan. They consider him a lender, not an investor. I don't know. It's a mess, you guys. Uh, I've, you know, I've just been covering wrestling since about 2009, 2010, but I've never seen a situation like this, ever. And it's a completely unique situation. Dixie Carter is the most inept person. And, you know, somebody says, well, somebody said to me, well, Billy Corgan has at least business acumen. Well, we don't know that. Uh, Jim Hurd had business acumen, and he did terrible in TNA. But, uh, oh, my – like, I don't know where to, where to start with this TNA thing and, and all the stuff that went down today. But we have all the tweets up on the site, the story, uh, TNA, Corgan go to court, ruling expected Monday. We're going to find out the future of TNA on Monday. It's uh, – it boggles the mind that, that things got this far. Anthem – is a Anthem is the parent company of the Fight Network. It's a minority owner that currently owns licensing rights to TNA's fight uh, or video library. So that's what they're in it for. It's it's hard to say what's going to happen with TNA, but there are a lot of good people that work there, and it's it's really a shame that this is this is how it goes. Dixie Carter has cared nothing but saving face for herself. She hasn't cared about her employees. She hasn't cared about. The wrestlers, she hasn't cared about retaining jobs for a long time. She cares about saving face for herself as if she hasn't already lost face. And it's really weird. It's really, really weird. We don't know how TNA will do under the control of Billy Corgan, but we know how it's done under Dixie Carter's control. It's horrible. It's in rough shape. It's not even in rough shape. I don't know if there's... I don't know. And I can't believe that they were able to find investors at that price. These snake oil salesmen. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. We're back tomorrow afternoon with Matt Riddle. Join the website. Register for free for that. Please share the website. Thank you very much. We're having our busiest traffic month ever. Busiest traffic week ever. Lots of cool stuff, guys. Share it on Facebook, Facebook groups, Reddit, Twitter, all that good stuff. Follow us at Fightful Online. We're making major changes to our social media. That's on Facebook and Twitter. Guys, I want to thank you so much for joining me. Until tomorrow afternoon, guys. Oh, by the way, Brandon Howard's got that exclusive financial analysis tomorrow on the quarterly call. You ain't going to get that anywhere but Fightful.com. Till next time, guys, we are out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.